0: you're listening to radio md she's a chiropractic physician lecturer author entrepreneur and talk show host she's dr suzanne bennett it's time now for wellness for life radio here's dr suzanne
1: when the severe acute respiratory syndrome sars virus hit Asia in 2003, it produced a global scare. And the virus, with its terrible flu-like symptoms, often required intensive care and quickly spread to 26 countries. And it took over 700 lives before contained uh, a few months later. Now, but one country in Asia was almost completely spared of the SARS epidemic, and that was Korea. Uh, This puzzled the scientists there, but not the Koreans, who quickly attributed their immunity to the country's national culinary treasure, kimchi. I just read the first paragraph from my book, The Kimchi Diet, which was published in April 2019. Now, fast forward to today, a couple of years later, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, a new jointly conducted study by the government-funded World Institute of Kimchi in South Korea and Jean Bouzquet, an honorary professor of pulmonary medicine at the Montpellier University in France, confirms that Kimchi, Kimchi's Korea's traditional fermented cabbage dish could definitely help mitigate coronavirus symptoms. Now, this joint research also looked into the correlations between low fatalities and national dietary differences and found that people in regions with very low fatality rates of COVID-19 and um, a large quantities of fermented vegetables such as cabbage and various spices now th- this is truly the gut immune connection uh, that is shown here uh, with with the information regarding food is medicine. And today we have Dr. Emeryn Meyer here to do a deep dive in this phenomenon. Dr. Meyer is a distinguished research professor in the departments of medicine, physiology, and psychiatry at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA, as well as the executive director of the G. Oppenheimer Center for Neurobiology of Stress and Resilience, and and the founding director of the UCLA Brain Gut Microbiome Center. He's also the best-selling author of the gut connection, and soon to be re- uh, published, the gut immune connection. And he believes that the gut microbiome is at the center of virtually every disease that defines our 21st century public health c- crisis. Welcome back, Dr. Meyer.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. Uh, and thank you for, for asking me to, to be on your show.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's just perfect timing. Considering what we're dealing today, it's been over a year of the COVID-19 pandemic and still different countries all around the world uh, we're still suffering from the cases and deaths from this disease so talking about uh, the gut and what it can do and how to build the immune system by looking at our microbiome i think is essential and but yeah i'm interested in what made you shift and pivot from that neurobiology and information of the gut and the mind into the gut and the human immune system
0: well, it's not really a pivot. You know, I continue to, um, you know, firmly um, both study and, uh, you know, and recommendations to my patients based is still on this close connection between the mind, the brain, and the gut. And uh, I, I think the the system that for me is essential, is probably the most essential system in our body is the brain-gut immune connection the brain gut microbiome uh, system which is at the core of um, many homeostatic uh, functions and an alteration in any dimension and any component of that system will result in 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 compromised health and uh, you know it's pretty underlying, not the sole cause, but it's pretty underlying and contributing to the vulnerability for a whole range of um, diseases affecting the body, from autoimmune cancer um, to you know, neurodegenerative brain diseases such as Alzheimer's disease. So I, I think the, um, I've not changed my focus to the immune system. I've just in this book, I'm, I'm highlighting the central role that it has in this um, brain gut microbiome system or axis.
1: Mm, thank you um, for explaining that. Uh, Dr. Meyer, can you tell us then what exactly is the root cause of what's going on in the gut microbiome that has an impact on the immunity?
0: Well, um, I think the root cause you can, I mean, there's obviously, it's a it's a multidimensional problem. I, I would say the the simplest explanation is that our trillions of microbes are separated from our immune system in the gut by a, a double component barrier. One is a mucous layer that the gut cells produce, uh, and the other one is the uh, the lining of the the gut cells, the epithelial barrier. and that that barrier separates the microbes from the immune cells. The majority of our uh, immune system is in the gut and it's just microns away from all these various microbial organisms, as long as this barrier is intact, the immune system will not get activated. But if it's compromised, and that main reason for uh, being compromised is a thinning of the mucus layer um, and a loosening of the junctions between these epithelial cells, so two different mechanisms. And both of these compromised states can be uh, affected by our diet and and as well as by the influences from our brain in terms of stress, chronic stress and negative emotions so we have this mechanism in our gut that uh, is influenced both top down from the brain but also from the gut level from uh, you know from our from our diet which makes this this central let's say switch point but hub within our body that influences you know, systemic immune activation with all its uh, consequences. The microbes in this system play a role of translator between what we put into our gut, you know, the food and the response of, of, the, of the immune system.
1: Mm, Thank you. You know, um, you mentioned about that diet, and we've talked a lot about diet and the microbiome here on Wellness for Life. But you also mentioned something regarding the the negative emotions and the stressors that uh, we all deal with day to day, and especially now with with the um, primary problem of the pandemic and all that. Tell us, how is that affected? You mentioned from top down, from the brain down to the gut why is the negative emotion and in what way i mean what's the mechanism of how the emotion affects the microbiome or possibly uh, the thinning of the barrier as well as the tight junctions between cell to cell
0: so you know there's a system in the brain the autonomic nervous system which is as part of our stress response system and this autonomic nervous system sends out signals from the brain to every part of the body but the, the most important one here is the sympathetic nervous system, so the stress arm of that autonomic nervous system, the innovation of the gut. And we know it, has, it can have two effects. One is it can change the, the motility of the gut, the secretion of fluids, the secretion of mucus, the um, tightness of the junctions between cells in the gut. All these functions are under modulatory control, by the sympathetic nervous system in addition it can it's been shown that the transmitters that the sympathetic nervous system uses uh, norepinephrine can act on receptors directly on certain microbes and change their gene expression and the their their behavior so if you get infected with a, with a pathogen and you're under severe stress this pathogen will be more aggressive because it has been stimulated by it, your stress system, will be more aggressive towards your, towards your gut. But it also affects the benign you know, members of our microbiome. So you can almost say, and I've said this in, in my book, in, in, the, in the first book, it's, it's a mirror image really, our emotions that we experience consciously, that somebody can see in our facial expressions like anger, fear, uh, anxiety. If you could look into the gut um, and had a way of identifying, you know, the consequences of that, you would see a mirror image of these of these emotional expressions. So our gut is a reflects our our emotions directly, and stress, chronic stress, particularly chronic and severe stress, has that effect as as well. So yeah, when when people are worried now in the pandemic, and obviously there has been a a major impact on on the the mental health of, of people. For me, as a as somebody who is interested in the GI tract, I know that there's changes at the gut level and at the gut microbial level as well. You know, in a in a negative way.
1: Oh, I, I'm a big believer in that. Are there studies that show that if you feel more joy and more peace and happiness and excitement? Energetically, as well as emotionally and mentally, have they found that that also changes the gut microbiome and its expression, as well as the building and strengthening of the micro uh, the mucus barrier?
0: Um, that hasn't really been the case directly, as the way I ask, and this has to do with the fact that you know the funding agencies for research, many the National Institute of Health, they're interested in. Not in in positive things or health enhancement or positive <laughs> emotions. Oh. They're, they're they're interested in understanding the cause of negative effects of of disease. And so there's very few studies on this. They're funded by a foundation or by some philanthropist. We do know from a study that we did ourselves that you know, for example, c- cognitive behavioral therapy. So people that responded. So these are patients with uh, irritable bowel syndrome. So, patients that responded to the interventions got better with their symptoms and overall uh, quality of life that that influenced the gut microbes in a positive way. um so that that's an indirect answer to your to your question. it's not it's not happiness, but it's feeling better about your gut has an influence you know a demonstrate influence on on the composition uh, of of the microbes. So uh, I would say I would extrapolate uh, extrapolate from that that there's also another study that a colleague of mine has done in our center on mindfulness-based stress reduction and a similar observation. These so these positive uh, interventions in our mind do have positive effects on microbial composition. Yes.
1: Mm, well, I'm, I'm I I believe it could go both ways. And it's sad that we don't have that type of research, because um, if we can work more on the prevention of disease, um, this would be one of it, I, I would think. And then with the, with the research that you're doing and with your book, can you explain some of your, you know, big, big ahas uh, that you realized from your research and wrote about it within your book?
0: Well, I mean, I would say so the, the big insights are, I mean, first of all, that there is this, as I mentioned uh, earlier, this uh, complex brain gut microbiome system that plays a main, major regulatory um, function and that is responsible for, you know, disturbances in the system are, are responsible probably for the majority of our chronic disease epidemic, which includes um, increasing um, rates of cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome, obesity colon cancer alzheimer's disease parkinson's so we this is this was this one insight that I think we now have enough science that we can identify the system that includes the brain and the microbiome as as key in, in understanding these diseases. The second one is that when you talk about healthy diet based on my insights and 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 uh, the way I understand this, this the science here. If you need to make a decision, what's the best diet for us humans? I think it's fairly easy to answer. Um, it's a diet that is optimal for our microbiome, which means it's optimal for the diversity and richness of the microbiome. And what that implies is it the, the, the sources of food for the microbes that are best um, are coming from plants And there are two major components in plants. One is the fiber molecules, the undigestible fiber molecules. And the other one is the group of polyphenols, these phytonutrients. Both of those components are large molecules that cannot be digested in our small intestine. So they go down undigested, unabsorbed towards the end of the small intestine and the colon. And then are basically food for the microbes. And they do two things for the microbes. They increase their diversity and richness. So the more diverse your intake of plant-based food is and fruits are, the more diverse population of microbes you will nurture. The second thing is um, they, um, like the polyphenols, they also suppress negative microbes, the growth of negative microbes in your gut. And thirdly, the the components that the microbes produce from these from the fiber and from the polyphenols have a health benefit for us. So the most well known of these are short chain fatty acids that are generated from from fiber molecules. So butyrate being the one that's received the most attention, which has anti-inflammatory effects um, and uh, a range of beneficial effects on the gut, but also on on our body and with the polyphenols, the breakdown products um, are smaller molecules that can now be absorbed, That have many of which have antioxidative uh, effects on, on different systems. Um, and those uh, effects of the, the polyphenols, so these are the molecules that used to be referred to as antioxidants, based on experience in test tubes, but now we know it's much more complex. They, they require the microbes to actually become active. What all these hundreds of thousands of breakdown products that the microbes produce from them, we don't really know yet. You know, there's ongoing, there's ongoing research in in, in, in this area. This is a major, you know, was sort of a major uh, uh, insight. The third one I would say is, it's not only important what you eat, so this microbe-targeted diet, but also where your food comes from, because the content of phytonutrients depends on how your vegetables and how fruit is grown. Uh, is it grown in a in a soil that's rich of microbes itself, or is it sort of a desert that's uh, kept alive with chemical fertilizers? You know, what do you eat, where it comes from, and also when you eat it. So we have this growing evidence that time-restricted eating ways sort to of limit your food intake to, you know, a certain time, like eight hours of, of the day and 16 hours of uh, no food in your in your gut has a, has various beneficial effects on the gut microbiome and on metabolic health. So three things, what do you eat, uh, where does it come from, and, and uh, when you eat it. So I would say, you know, these are some of the main insights that that i gained working on this book and uh, maybe to add a fourth one you know when you talk about where does your food come from this whole impact of our food production and food consumption on the environment is definitely another one i dedicate a whole chapter to this which what we're doing currently in our food production it's obviously a chemical agriculture um, variant that we have been using to produce large amounts of food for ourselves, but also for other countries. But, but this kind of food production, these monocultures of, for example, soybeans and corn, mainly to feed cows and pigs is another thing that uh, I, I think if we change our diet in, in a way that it benefits the microbes, it will automatically deal with that problem as well because we will not be, you know, relying on our daily steak or daily hamburger, but we will reduce the amount of of, of red meat in in our diet while increasing the consumption of plant-based foods. So I, I think th- these are four insights that, you know, took me way beyond the, the points in my in my first book that I addressed there.
1: Mm. Everything that you're saying, I am so right on, Uh, a big believer as you are. I'm not a strong proponent uh, when it comes to, uh, of course, GMO foods. And right now, I've I've been reading a lot about what's called golden rice um, out there. I don't know if if you've heard of that um, type of a uh, new type of genetically modified rice that they're trying to push out in asia the golden rice so that it can increase the vitamin a level a minute amount that actually the golden rice does apparently it looks yellow it does look yellow almost like there's a saffron rice but uh they've changed the color and it, i think it's a huge mistake because of what it can do uh, um, being that it is genetically modified how it can change the soil organisms of course um as well as our own soil organisms which is the microbiome it's what you're saying is so clear it's the basics when you think about it you know what kind of food are we eating where is it coming from uh, whether it's organic or not timing is of course important because we can't be eating all day long as that's definitely going to be uh, a cause an overgrowth of the microbiome or excessive um, issues in the pathogenic microbiome. Um, and then, of course, we are saying the type of foods is super important and making sure that we're not all on this kick on animal protein. I'm a big believer in plant-based eating as well. I do eat some proteins, but I'm also a big believer that variety is important. There's a, a big... Uh, movement right now in that you can see a lot on line books and YouTube all about the carnivore diet. I'd just like to ask you about it. I'm not a strong proponent on it because of what I found from research, what it does, but I'd like to know your take on the carnivore diet. Basically, all you do is eat protein and animal protein at it. That is with fats.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, based on what I would have said, I mean, this is sort of the opposite, really what I would recommend because that kind of diet so like you know it's it's a ketogenic diet that you starve your 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 microbes so like all the all the food that you eat is absorbed in the in the small intestine so almost nothing goes down to feed the microbes so you will have a compromised microbial ecosystem with all its consequences yeah people lose weight you know particularly young people they feel you know when they work out they have to you know, consume uh, huge amounts of, of, of animal protein. Uh, but, I mean, there has been this movie, uh, Game Changers. I, I don't know if you've seen that, where a, a lot of um, first-rate athletes um, from around the world talk about how they switch to a vegan diet without any compromise of their performance. Uh, one of the best rock climbers in the world, Alex Honnold, is a vegan, you know, and he's done superhuman Sense of rock walls. So there's Arnold Schwarzenegger switched to a vegan diet, um, even though he admits, you know, when he was younger, he was consuming, uh, you know, several steaks a day when he was in this bodybuilding phase. So I I think what we have um, with that diet, um, even though it may have some benefits in terms of muscle building for some people who, what this is the main purpose in life. It is not a healthy diet. You know, it, it is the opposite of what the opposite for the for gut health, for gut microbial health. But also, as we just talked about, the the source of that uh, that red meat, um, you know, with its devastating effects on cutting down of the Amazon forest to make room for these soy, uh, you know, mass production of, of of soy to feed the cows, and the methane production of the cows themselves. So it's been estimated about 25% of greenhouse gases can be attributed to this kind of agriculture and farming. So it's not only bad for us, for our microbes, but also for the environment. So for these reasons, I would, you know, I'm completely opposed to it. And uh I'm I'm not telling people to become vegans. Um certainly a small amount of of animal protein. Primarily from from fish, um, ideally from small fish because they are not threatened by extinction, like you know sardines and mackerels and uh, a similar kind of small fish that are abundant still and um, are very high in omega three um, fatty acids and and the occasional you know free range chicken. I mean those. This is what what we practice ourselves and this is what I would recommend i mean there's a whole movement now you know to to satisfy the uh, insatiable appetite of people for for meat or meat-like products with these plant-based meat substitutes which you know it's a rapidly growing uh, area in in the food space which has the benefit that it if it's done in the right way will not have the Devastating ecological effects and environmental effects. We don't know yet if, if it's good for our health, these highly processed foods that have like sometimes 20 components to make them. But it's certainly one attempt to, you know, for carnivores that cannot give up that habit because a lot of these foods are now indistinguishable from the real meat. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's certainly been a very rapidly growing uh, component of the sole area of you know carnivores or substitutes for carnivores for their meat appetite
1: mm. well thank you that i'm i'm uh, really happy that you've been able to explain you know your feelings on this because i i believe it exactly in the same way as you do Um, that if it's anything on the long run, although symptomatology-wise, you will feel better in the beginning because basically you're killing off some of, whether it's the yeast or the bacterial overgrowth or even parasitic. That, but in the long run, uh, you're basically um, also lowering the diversity and the robustness of your microbiome, which then, of course, which will affect your immunity, as you are stating in your book. Before I forget, you know, we've, we're almost out of time. Gosh, I could talk to you for another hour here. I was thinking that I'd like to know um, your beliefs of fermented foods because I'm a strong proponent for kimchi and other ferments, uh, forms of ferments. And um, do you recommend that? as well in your book?
0: Yeah, so humans, you know, have developed fermentation really as a way of preserving foods. Like, um, you know, I, I think it's like in estimated 40,000 years ago. So since it takes our genes about 15,000 years to adapt to new circumstances, uh, there, there's been enough time to really, um, you know, for our GI tract uh, to adapt to the, ing- the regular ingestions of... Um, uh, fermented foods, and no surprise, you know, all over the world, uh, fermented foods are uh, a key component of their culture. So not only the Koreans, but the Japanese, the Chinese, the Russians—they all have their own fermented uh, national product, so to speak. As you said in the beginning, in Korea, this is probably the most pronounced. And what's important in in Korea is uh, when, when I was there, I talked to a lot of people and asked them. When when do they feed fermented foods or kimchi to to their children and it's even to infants so even infants get these fermented foods with their uh, you know uh, microbes fermenting microbes so this is very important because the there's a phenomenon called colonization resistance so our microbiome adult microbiome will not allow other microbes from outside to, to set up their their shingle in, inside and stay there. So if you eat, uh, you know, as, as an adult, uh, a fermented food or a probiotic, it will be um, it. The effect will be gone, and it will no longer be in your gut after 48 hours. If you do this in infants and children, where the microbiome is still more malleable and uh, developing, that concentration systems is probably be bypassed, and you can. So now these these probiotic organisms are now part of your normal um, microbiome. And um, I've often thought about you know uh, it would be nice to do studies with Korean investigators uh, to see is there really uh, has this really affected like the the prevalence of psychiatric diseases of depression of Alzheimer's disease. You know, We never really got to the point of doing these kind of studies, but its I think it's, it would be a good natural setting to really look at that. You know, to, Then the, the question is, what is the control group? Because everybody in Korea eats kimchi in, in, in large amounts. So you wouldn't have a control group. You couldn't compare it to uh, p- potentially maybe two Koreans that moved to the US or and have given up that habit.
1: That's such a good point, and you can definitely—I mean, you know—even in Korea, uh, they say that majority of the Koreans eat uh, the food, but up in in out in the United States, you might definitely be able to find Koreans that are not actively having it. You remind me of of what my grandmother used to do for me when I was very young. Uh, my mom did not breastfeed feed me, and this was in the early '60s when I was born, and uh, because of that, I didn't get breast milk. And my grandmother gave me what's called—it's called um, tongchimi. It's, called it's that is a non spicy uh, water kimchi, just the liquid of the kimchi. And that was some of what I had mixed in with whatever formula they ended up using for me. So I think you're absolutely right is that um, getting it you know, early on makes a big difference, but there is, I just want you to, to, to share, there's an institute there, the only kimchi institute, it's called the World Institute of Kimchi, or WIKIM for short, W-I-K-I-M, that there are only, I visited there uh, prior to uh, publishing my book because I, I was doing a lot of research in Korea regarding kimchi for the book. And they only have researchers. they're forty plus researchers just doing research and studying kimchi and how it helps with the health of the human body. So I think if you um, connected with them, I am sure they would be happy to work with you, doctor.
0: no, this is this is a very um, you know very a very good point. I mean, I would say I grew up in had uh, my childhood and youth in uh, Germany. And so, you know, the national version, German version is uh, sauerkraut for, you know, for the most popular fermented product, in addition to yogurt. But I I still remember when we had stomach aches as kids, you know, uh, my mother would feed us uh, sauerkraut or or just the juice of the sauerkraut. And as far as I can can remember, you know, it could have been placebo, but certainly it was an effective way. we have incorporated sauerkraut into our diet, um, not just as raw sauerkraut, but adding it to many many dishes, you know, cooked dishes, and uh, and and it gives it a really unique, you know, flavor. And the French French cuisine has done the same thing. I I think each each country maybe not to the extent that Koreans where this became almost like a, a national uh, obsession. You know, but I, I think many many countries are doing that. Uh, I think the United States has lagged behind significantly with this, mainly because of our obsession with um, hygiene and um, you know fear of, of 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 organisms, of microorganisms that are bad for us. But it's it's sort of gradually you know come back, not 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 to the degree of other countries. You know, yo- yogurt consumption is is still way below the consumption, like in European countries.
1: Mm. Well, goodness, thank you so much. I really uh, enjoyed our talk here today. Thank you, and I know that the website is Meyer, but the way you spell Meyer is M-A-Y-E-R. Emeryn is E-M-E-R-A-N, Meyer, and that's M-A-Y-E-R.com. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Have a great day. Thanks
0: so much, Dr. Bennett. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. Oh,
1: you bet. Bye. Oh, gotta get that book. You know the the gut immune connection. It's available on all of the book outlets um, and bookstores. Will be coming out in June. So excited for everyone to be able to read this and start to enhance their energy and immunity and get rid of you know any of, the, of these these viruses and uh bacterias and and of course living a much more healthier robust um stronger microbiome life here that was great so um please subscribe if you haven't already to continue to do our very best here on wellness for life and if you need help in digging deeper with your health issues i work with people globally through phone and skype consultations and my contact info is uh, available on drsuzanne.com until next time go out there and live your best life today full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.